This is Greenfish Blue Oceans. I'm Maureen Berry. Hey, seafood lovers. Welcome to Episode 2, where B is for barramundi and blue crab meat. But first, a couple of quick thoughts. Hey, you know, this podcasting thing is new to me, so if I miss something, make a mistake, or say something you don't understand, please let me know. Hey, you know what's cool? My friend Charity messaged me that her eight-year-old daughter wanted to share her favorite salmon recipe with, wait, get this, the salmon lady. (laughs) That's what they call me. I love it. The recipe is poached salmon with avocado aioli. In the microwave, for the aioli, add two garlic cloves, two tablespoons of white wine vinegar or another acid, one egg yolk, a teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of mustard, and then blend on the smoothie buttons, probably good. Or if you're in the food processor, I'd go on high. Until that comes together, and then while the machine is running, slowly add up to three quarters of a cup of olive oil until it all comes together. Mash an avocado, add that to the blender, and then continue blending until the whole thing is smooth and creamy. For the salmon, place the salmon in a shallow microwave-safe dish. Season with salt and pepper, juice from half a lemon, a little olive oil, and then add water um, three-quarters of the way up the fish, not to cover. Microwave for two to three minutes. If the fish is thawed, if it's frozen, add a little more time because you can cook from frozen. Alaska Seafood Marketing has some great tutorials on how to cook fish from frozen. And I think they're, if I recall correctly, their marketing slogan is cook it frozen. So check that out on YouTube. When the fish is done, plate it and drizzle the avocado aioli over the top of the fish and then serve with a green salad for a quick, delicious salmon meal. So thanks, Charity. And if you have a favorite seafood recipe you'd like to share, I would love to hear from you. So send me a message and let me know and I can share with all my listeners. Of over the 30,000 seafood species to choose from, why did I choose barramundi? First, barramundi is a terrific tasting fish. It's sweet, slightly buttery, but clean. Mmm, also high in protein and omega-3s, and low in fat, suitable for any method of preparation on the grill, stovetop, and the oven. You can use it in chowders and soups. Oh, it's a perfect fish. You might even be familiar with barramundi. You probably see it on restaurant menus around the globe, and it's also available in grocery markets. Here's a couple of cool things about barramundi. It's both wild and farm-raised. Barramundi, in general, is a large, important commercial fishery. Barramundi is farm-raised in numerous countries with great success in open pens and land-based recirculating systems. And that's important. You see, I believe that aquaculture, or farm-raised fish, when done right, is one of the methods we can use to successfully feed our growing global population and help take the pressure off wild species. I first became familiar with barramundi around 2007 or 2008, I can't recall exactly. I was selling fish at the wholesale level in Florida. I didn't sell much barramundi because chefs in Florida wanted whitefish that most consumers are familiar with, you know, grouper, snapper, cobia, wahoo, even tilapia. Years passed, and then in 2015 at the Sustainable Seafood Blog Conference in New Orleans, I met Josh Goldman, 
the CEO and co-founder of Australia's Aquaculture, the company that farm raises Barramundi. Josh and his wife invited me to sit with them for breakfast since I was sitting by myself like a wallflower. And I'm not normally like that, but sometimes at conferences I get totally anxious. You know how when you don't know anybody? Well, I don't know about you, but a situation like that takes anxiety to an epic level for me. So if we're ever at a conference and you see me, just come on over and introduce yourself, okay? I appreciate that. Anyway, over coffee, I discovered that Josh was the Josh giving the opening presentation at the conference that morning. So not only did I make a great connection, I had a front row seat to his presentation, which was all about farm raising sustainable sea bass, also known as, yep, you guessed, Barramundi. So the reason I'm talking about this particular product is because I have a personal connection, and that's how I roll. I like to know where my fish comes from and who is catching it, or in this case, raising it. I also know Barramundi is good for you in the oceans. My favorite sustainable seafood resource, Seafood Watch, gives all sea bass species, white, black, and European, a green and yellow rating, with the exception of one species, black sea bass caught in the U.S. northern mid-Atlantic. The reason Seafood Watch gives that particular sea bass species a red rating is because of the method and gear that's used, which is an otter trawl. Here's a quick note about fish. Fisheries that are managed, like the Mid-Atlantic Black Sea Bass Fishery, have annual catch quotas. And based on the previous year's landings and discards, also known as bycatch, another great B word, by the way, these quotas are revised and sometimes adjusted mid-year to help maintain healthy fish populations. And so back to that otter trawl. So here's what an otter trawl is. Think of a large cone-shaped net that is dragged across the bottom of the ocean. Across uneven surfaces, it can dislodge corals and seaweed, rocks and sand, disturbing marine life that relies on this habitat. And so much more research needs to be done to determine the long-term effects of this type of fishing. So if you listened last time and you remember, fish ratings will change based on science, technology, weather, environment, and etc. A lot of things go into assessing and managing a particular species. So besides that one exception, what's not to like about this amazing fish? Before you shop for Barramundi, check Australis Aquaculture's website for store locations. Then, when you're at the market, head to the freezer section in the seafood department. Australis Barramundi is packaged in a really classy black pouch with yellow lettering and a beautiful piece of white fish on the front. And if you can't find Barramundi at your market, ask the manager at the store to bring it in for you. Now, you, if you're near an Asian market, you may find you may find sea bass in the freezer aisle, not packaged in Australis Barramundi, but in uh, a clear commodity package. So there you'll be looking for black sea bass or white sea bass. Now, here's a quick side note about shopping for Barramundi and ordering it in a restaurant. There is a huge difference between black, white, European sea bass, and Chilean sea bass. Chilean sea bass is not actually a bass, but rather a fish from the cod family. It was previously called Patagonian or Antarctic toothfish, but that's super unappetizing. So why it was called sea bass to confuse is not something I have the answer for, so I'm sorry about that, but just be aware, okay? Now I know this can be confusing, but hey, that's why you're listening in. 
Remember, the basics of sustainable seafood are about three things. Probably more, but three, these are three easy ones. What the species is, how it was caught, or in the case of farm fish, how it was raised, and where it was caught. So what, how, and where. Keep that in mind. All right. We know what barramundi is, where to find it at the market, and what to avoid. So let's cook some fish. As with most fish recipes, less is better. If you're familiar with cooking grouper or striped bass, barramundi is very similar. And to complement that mild yet buttery flavor, think about this, honey sesame vinaigrette. It's a sweet and nutty combo with a hint of heat and a touch of acid. Plus, it's super easy to whip up. And to save time, you can make the vinaigrette a few days ahead. Just cover and refrigerate, and then remember to bring it up to room temperature and whisk it or shake it again before you use it. For honey sesame barramundi, you will need one tablespoon of white sesame seeds toasted, two tablespoons of wildflower honey, or whatever your local bee farmer has, one tablespoon of low sodium soy sauce, a dash of red pepper chili flakes, kosher salt, black pepper, and a dash of rice wine vinegar. You'll need a tablespoon of olive oil, two green onions, sliced or chopped, whatever your, you know your fancy is, some soba noodles, a tablespoon of canola oil, kosher salt, and ground black pepper. Ready? Toast the sesame seeds in a small skillet on medium heat for about four to five minutes or until they're golden brown in color. Shake the skillet often, careful not to burn the seeds. Add the honey, soy, red pepper chili flakes, salt and pepper to a small bowl and whisk. Add a splash of rice wine vinegar and whisk again. Place a damp towel under the bowl to secure it while you pour the olive oil in and whisk at the same time, slowly, as you continue to emulsify the dressing, which is a fancy word really for bringing it all together. Cook the soba noodles for the package directions. Drain and rinse in cold water. For the barramundi, heat a large skillet on medium heat for several minutes or until the skillet feels hot when you hover your hand over the surface. While the skillet heats, pat the barramundi dry and season both sides with salt and pepper. Add the canola oil to the skillet and swirl to coat the surface. Place the barramundi in the skillet, careful not to overcrowd or the fish will steam, not sear. And work in batches if you're using a small skillet. Sear the fish for three to four minutes on each side. Mound the cooked soba noodles on a plate or in a bowl, like make a nice little bird's nest. Spoon the honey vinaigrette over the barramundi and noodles, and then sprinkle the toasted sesame seeds and green onions over the top. Serve immediately with a side of steamed broccoli, green beans, or some sugar snap peas. And that's it. Next up, blue crab meat. Hey, welcome back. Did you know there are over 4,000 crab species, both fresh and salt water? Crazy, right? But we only eat a few dozen. So here's a short list of edible crabs that you might see at the market or in the restaurants. Jonah crab, peaky toe, red snow brown spider, dungeness yellow, rock stone, hairy, and swimmer crabs, just to name a few. Now, if I had to choose, my top three crab picks are Chesapeake Bay blue crab, Florida stone crab, and Alaska red king crab, and not necessarily in that order. Not only do I love the sweet flavors and textures of these species, each of them is sustainable. So what made me pick blue crab meat for this episode? Well, because of all of the commercial species, this is one of those species that is widely consumed, but not always sustainable. And I think it's important to talk about that. 
So to clarify, I'm talking about blue crab meat found in the refrigerated section at the grocery. All blue crab meat comes from the blue swimmer crab, or the blue swimming crab, one or the other. You'll see it on the label, swimmer or swimming. Mostly caught around the Pacific Rim, or at certain times of the year in Chesapeake Bay and the east coast of the United States, as far south as Florida. Blue crab meat is sold either fresh or pasteurized. Fresh crab meat has a really short expiration date, say one or two days. Pasteurized crab meat has a refrigerated shelf life of up to one year unopened, but once opened, needs to be eaten in a day or two, which should not be a problem at all for you crab lovers. So it's very important to read the labels on the tubs, cans, and pouches, and those are probably the three ways you're going to find crab at the market. You may need to shop around a bit for a sustainable product since the market is flush with crab meat from India, Indonesia, the Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam, which are all rated red on the Seafood Watch recommendation list. And you know what a fan I am of that guide. The reason Seafood Watch rates these locations red is because of the fishing method, which in this area is primarily bottom trawlers. More about that in a minute. The best, read, most sustainable way to harvest crabs is with a crab pot, which is not really a pot, but rather a large square wire box. So back to the bottom trawler. Very similar to an otter trawler, a bottom trawler is a fishing net that is dragged along the ocean floor, scooping up everything in its path, seriously damaging the marine ecosystem and ocean floor. The nets are held open by trawl doors, sometimes weighing up to five tons, to give you some perspective. Worse, yes, there's more. Up to 90% of the catch is bycatch, also called discards, but I'll tackle more of that in episode four. D is for dogfish and discards. But whether you call it bycatch or discards, it means the unintentional species that are caught in the bottom trawler and then discarded, either dead or dying. Also, crab from the Pacific Rim has a huge carbon footprint to get from there to your plate in the United States or even in the UK or wherever you are in the world. So there's all that to consider. That said, my intentions are just to make you aware, not decide for you. Now, when you do find sustainable crab meat, you'll have a few choices. Blue crab meat is sold as jumbo lump, lump or backfin, special, and claw. Most likely you will see three types in the United States, jumbo, lump, and claw. So let me break that down. Jumbo lump meat is a premium product. It's the entire lump from the back of the crab. And for each crab, there are only two whole jumbo lumps. So you can see why this would be the most expensive product on the market. Think $30 to $40 plus per pound. You need to really have a special occasion for that meat. Now, when the pickers, the people who pick the meat from the crab, although I'm sure there's a technical name for them, so I am sorry if you pick crab meat for a living and I don't know the title of your job. I think it's called a picker. When the meat is picked from the jumbo lump and it's inadvertently broken, that product is called lump. So lump crab usually comes from that part of the animal and the back. Plus, it's less expensive than jumbo. Say around $20 to $25 range. And claw meat is the least expensive. It has a deeper but sweet flavor than the crab meat. Claw meat is also brownish-orange in color compared to the pearly white color of the lump meat. 
so look for prices to be in the $15 to $20 range. Once you select your crab meat, store it in the refrigerator until you're ready to eat. Then once opened, eat immediately, even out of the container if you like. Or you can make these delicious crab cakes. Melt a tablespoon of butter over medium heat in a skillet. Add a few tablespoons of minced celery and one teaspoon of shallots. Stir and cook for several minutes. Remove the veg from the heat to a medium bowl. Wipe out the skillet and let it cool away from the burner. Add the crab, a few tablespoons of mayonnaise, a few tablespoons of panko breadcrumbs, a half a teaspoon of Dijon mustard, a dash of cayenne pepper, kosher salt, and ground black pepper to the celery and shallot. Grate a little lemon zest over the top, about a quarter of a lemon, and stir gently, careful not to break up the meat. Form the crab mixture into patties equally. If you find the crab is falling apart, add a little more breadcrumbs and mayo, judiciously. You don't want it to be wet and soggy. Cover the patties and refrigerate them for about 20 to 30 minutes. Heat the same skillet or a flat griddle if you have one over medium heat. Add a teaspoon of butter and oil and swirl to coat the surface, letting the butter melt before you place the crab cakes in the skillet. Don't move the crab cakes once you put them in the skillet and don't crowd them either. You always want to leave a little bit of space in between anything in the skillet, otherwise it will steam and not sear. Cook for three minutes. Reduce the heat to medium-low if you see the edges of the cakes browning too quickly. Then turn the crab cakes and continue cooking for an additional three to four minutes on the other side. You want a nice caramelized crust on both sides. If you turn the crab cakes too quickly, turn them back over to cook an additional minute. But no more, you'll just dry it out. Serve the crab cakes immediately with a lemon wedge and a fresh green salad. And that's it for this episode, seafood lovers. Send me your thoughts and questions. What would you like to know about your favorite seafood? Leave me a message or hit me up on Facebook or Twitter. I leave you with these three things. If you know someone who would like this podcast, please share. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to Greenfish Blue Ocean's podcast. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. And let's connect on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Lastly, if you'd like to support this podcast, you can buy my cookbook, Salmon from Market to Plate, available on Amazon in print and ebook. In episode three, I'll tackle clams and climate change. Thanks for listening to Greenfish Blue Oceans, and have a great two weeks.